Accenture's innovation leader, Aaron Grossi, and utility strategy leader, Greg Bellino, sat down with Brett Carter, Excel Energy's chief customer and innovation officer, to talk about the changes that he sees on the horizon for utilities and their overall business models. Brett Carter is a leading figure in utilities innovation today, finding ways to serve customers better and provide them with new opportunities to participate in EV charging, home energy management solutions, and beyond. Accenture is a premier global innovation and technology consulting firm that is helping utilities across the nation make their digital transitions and adapt to a rapidly changing landscape and marketplace for energy solutions. Now, to our regularly scheduled programming, Z-Prime on the grid. I think that the challenge is really kind of getting the mindset past this is who we are and start thinking about who we want to be. I contribute to customer adoption of EVs. Right. Could you just talk a little bit more about what you're putting in place? Man, you are like hitting on all my fun stuff. This is great. So, Brett, a lot of people don't think of energy companies as innovative. Right. I know you're trying to change that. <laughs> exactly. What do you see Excel Energy doing that's different and moving the needle for customers on that space? Um, what was your first job out of college? Out of college, um, I went to work for a bank called Equibank, and uh, I was a, uh, a what they call an, an internal auditor. So I would secure the bank's uh, receivables, and um, that's when I really started to get into the numbers. You know, coming out of college with an accounting degree was a big deal. Cool. And did you find energy, or did energy find you? I have to admit, I think energy found me. Um, I was, uh, by that time, I was actually working in consumer brands and pharmaceuticals. And, um, and I, I got a call from a company that was looking for people that had strong quantitative backgrounds, um, but also had qualitative skills. And so I was in B-School at, at the University of Pittsburgh, and I, was, uh, I had a, a minor that I was focusing on in marketing. And so it was really a good mix of the quantitative and qualitative skills. And even way back then, utilities were trying to figure out how they were gonna transform themselves. So it was, it was really good, really good opportunity for me to move into that. Brett, what was your first job first ever? First job ever? Um, I would say when I, was, when I was a kid, I was about uh, 11 or 12 years old, and my father used to bring home these 12-inch uh, black and white televisions. I don't know if you recall those. Those yeah. were, re they were really popular. And um, they would have minor uh, uh, issues, and I would fix them. I would, I'd, there was a TV repair shop around the corner, and, and so I would kind of keep the kids away from his shop, and so he would replace little parts on my, on my uh, televisions. And then I would rent those televisions out for like $2.50 a week. And yeah, yeah, it was, I was rent-a-center before there was a rent-a-center. And so that was my first job. I just didn't want to get up and deliver papers in the morning. And I wanted, I wanted money to be, to be made while I was sleeping. And so after I got about 12 of those uh, televisions out there, I had a pretty nice income for, for a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
unfortunately, my 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 siblings were the were the, the recipients of those televisions. <laughs> <laughs> so they, I'd wait at the end of the month. I'd say, okay, you owe me ten dollars, and they say, okay. And then at the end of the third month, they were sitting there going, wait a minute, okay, so didn't I pay for this thing already? And I was like, it was a lease. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to end. And so in, inevitably, I would I would let them buy buy me out of the televisions, but. You know, I started to realize that was killing my my uh, my recurring uh, revenue. <laughs> yes. So good Friends stuff. And family. Absolutely, good Friends and Family. Great way to get started. <laughs> so, well, Brad, thanks for being here with us today and, and chatting with us. Um, I, I guess maybe to kick it off, like, what inspired you um, to come to Excel and to come back to the utilities industry, actually, and take a role like Chief Customer and Innovation Officer? Um, my first you know, venture into the utility space was one where unbundling was starting to happen. You remember the threat of unbundling and competition. And uh, I, I, was, I was just really excited about the industry. And um, I dove in with both feet. Um, my career just blossomed, took off. Um, I did a lot of great things in the industry with, with, with several different utility companies. And then Utilities started to want to venture into the customer space, but I never saw the culture that would really grow that environment. So I left, um, and I went to Bank of America, as, as, as many people know, because I wanted to feel the competitive nature of what it felt like to lose a customer and, and, and what competitive companies were doing to keep customers. Um, my intention was always to come back. That was a strategy that I that I had, you know, kind of placed in my career. And so when I was monitoring XL Energy from a distance and admiring the work that they were doing, especially with the steel for fuel, and um, and out of the out of the blue, I got a call from XL Energy, and they were saying, "We want to take it further than just the generation. We really want to transform the way we." interact with our customers and it was a perfect fit. It was a it was just really a great timing and a, a beautiful fit for my background. That's excellent. So in terms of your role in, as innovation leader, um, obviously you probably have the ability to sort of define what that means for the organization. So how do you think about innovation and you know what are some of the goals that you've set for Excel? Everything for me centers, or, centers around the brand. Um, it's, it's, it's ingrained in who we are. The beauty of starting at XL Energy was that XL Energy already had an innovative soul, if you will, with, with the generation. I have to admit that culturally, taking that innovation and applying it into technologies and putting the customer first was the biggest part of the cultural shift that had to be made. And so um, when, I, when I thought about where we needed to go, it was almost, it was almost a, a, kind of a natural for me to just jump in and start getting people fired up and getting people excited about what it meant to uh, think about the customer before they thought about their own processes. And um, coming directly from the banking industry where customer was always first and top of mind, um, I realized that it was gonna be a fun journey, but it wasn't gonna be an easy journey. Um, and so that's where we are. We've trained over 6,000 people just on customer-centric thinking. And, um, and, and so that was the beginning, I would say. That's 
interesting, yeah. I think, obviously, you're not alone. Innovation's challenging for everyone. There's countless obstacles. Absolutely. Being in the regulated industry can introduce even you know, more unique challenges, perhaps. But yep. you know, what do you see you know, beyond maybe culture and motivation? You know, can you talk about some of the other obstacles you might have faced in this role? And how do you know when yeah. you're actually making progress? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> so you know, the, the thing that I believe are always going to be obstacles, and this is, this is probably industry agnostic, uh, is the legacy systems that we, that we have. Um, you know, when I think about, you know, the billing systems and the customer systems and the outage management systems that have been there for decades um, that people now believe is the, you know, the bedrock of how we do business, and then you start introducing, you know, API strategies and, and cloud-based, you know, uh, technology. Um, it, it becomes a bit of a shift mentally because the people that are in the company haven't worked with that technology before. And so, one, they're already afraid of the new technology and shifting from where they've been. But these systems that are bedrocks have become so ingrained in who we are that even the top executives are afraid to touch those systems. So I, I think that the challenge is really kind of getting the mindset past this is who we are and start thinking about who we want to be. And so that's, that's, that's been the, the biggest shift, I would say, in the, in the mindset of our, of our employees and in, and in our executives. Fred, we've been impressed by the ambitious goals you've set, uh, delivering 100% carbon-free electricity to customers by 2050. Yeah. I'm just curious how you feel about the progress you've made so far. Uh, unbelievable progress. I mean, if you, if you think back to where we started, so we, we're measuring against our 2005 um, baseline. baseline, exactly. In 2019, we had one of the best years ever with you know, 5.4 uh, million tons of carbon um, uh, reduction, which was a 10% a reduction over 2018, huge moves forward. So we're sitting now at about 44% of reductions over 2005 levels uh, starting to 2020. Um, but more importantly, the, the goals that we put out there to get to 80% as an interim spot by 2030, we're on track for that. Um, ben Folk has always said that getting to 100% is going to take technology that likely does not exist today. Um, I think the technology may exist, but it may not be prominent. And so we're willing to look at every type of technology that we can. So we're partnering with InRail, we're partnering with EPRI, we've got our own um, you know, venture fund that where we're funding these small companies to help us think through how do we create uh, dispatchable generation uh, that is also carbonless uh, in order to achieve that 100% goal. But the progress has been phenomenal. What technologies do you see as key then for those broader goals? So, you know, when we think about um, things like nuclear is, you know, obviously is a carbonless generation. And, and we, you know, we've got a couple of, of, of nuclear plants. But, you know, if you look around the country, 
we have not been great as a country at, <laughs> at deploying new, new, you know, nuclear plants. I mean, there are some, I'm not going to name them, but there are some <laughs> companies that have had some significant issues with bringing those plants online. I believe that the next level of nuclear small modular reactors and those kind of things are going to play a big role in, um, you know, the carbonless approach that we're taking. But also um, hydrogen, um, uh, the, the capabilities around hydrogen and potentially even uh, hydrogen storage capabilities. Um, uh, you know, I think we're willing to look at almost any technology that's out there. But those are, those are two of the biggies. Uh, that I would say, and, and of course, carbon sequestration is always something that's out there. There's a lot of controversy around whether that is truly, you know, a carbonless approach or not. Fred, a lot of people don't think of energy companies as innovative. Right. I know you're trying to change that. <laughs> exactly. What do, you, what do you see Excel Energy doing that's different and moving the needle for customers on that space? So, you know, one of the things that we've really taken on, Greg, is is we are looking at this from the standpoint of let's use ready available technology uh, in order to move us forward so it's it's not like we're bleeding edge we are truly taking you know everything from you know gis capabilities to notifications on uh, on applications um, uh, wi-fi technology things that utilities have have not deployed in the past we're taking that and we're going to make it so that a customer feels like they're dealing with uh, an Amazon or a, or a Netflix or an Uber just by taking the technology that's already there and using that. Um, the advantage that we've had is, you know, one of the disadvantages is that we've, we've underinvested in our technology and then one of the advantages is that we've underinvested in our technology because now if you think about it, there's a whole API economy out there that we can tap into and it just helps us leapfrog the previous players. So I think that XL Energy uh, one because of the innovative nature that it's built inside and the, and the confidence that the employees have around generation, transferring that over to the customer gives us a, a, an advantage over other utilities to, to move the ball aggressively. Sure. Yep. Brett, you know, much is said or written about these days about the advanced grid of the future. Um, how do you think about, especially from a customer's perspective, what does that actually look like? And what is Excel Energy doing you know, to, to get there? So I think, you know, the advanced grid of the future for me is, is fascinating. I love, love, love talking about it. And um, <clears throat> the reason I love talking about it so much is that you, you can't even imagine where we're going to be 10 years from now. Um, I believe that the customer is going to be involved. Um, uh, when I talk about you know, uh, applications, mobile apps, those kind of things, even online capabilities, um, I think customers are going to play a role through home controls. Um, I believe that our strategy to uh, deploy uh, new meter technology that hasn't been deployed yet, but has, again, that, that technology that is very common, is going to help us in putting Excel into the home with a Wi-Fi signal, with applications that are intuitive and easy to use, and that are smart, that customers want, need, and, and love. And I, I also believe that there is a lot of latent energy 
in the system itself. And I think you know, one of the key pieces of engagement maybe for customers in electrification is the opportunity to purchase an e-vehicle. Um, we, we recently have read you know, that you've been working on how do we I, I contribute to customer adoption of EVs. Right. Could you just talk a little bit more about what you're putting Man, in? you are like hitting on all my fun stuff. This is great. So it, when I think about electric uh, transportation, um, and so I've talked a little bit about the reductions that we've seen in, the, um, in our carbon footprint as a, as a company. And so utilities across the nation have been lowering their carbon footprint. And now the transportation industry is the number one emitter of carbon. And when you take our 80% carbon reduction by 2030 and you combine that with eliminating an internal combustion engine vehicle with an electric vehicle, you're reducing the carbon on that car by four and a half tons per car, okay? And so when you think about four and a half tons per car and you say, well, just say we wanted to have a million cars on our system that are, are EVs, you're eliminating four and a half million tons of carbon by 2030. So every internal combustion engine is now 90% carbon free because of the mix that we bring to the table. So, and I'll take it one step further. So we've got three primary priorities, okay? One is leading the clean energy transition, which we've been doing. The second one is enhancing the customer experience. And then the third one is keeping customer bills low. We have a program we launched in, in Minnesota where a customer can have an EV charger installed in their home. They can use all the electricity they need from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. and be charged a fixed monthly fee of $44. So I know when I go to the, to the gas station, I'm putting $44 in my car every week, you know, or more. And, and so, Think about a customer who is now seeing the utility as a solution to $1,000 or more a year in savings for their, for their transportation and never having to stop at a gas station if you, don't, if you don't really want to. The range anxiety obviously is a big issue for some customers, but these cars now are getting 300 miles per charge, you know, on a full charge uh, or more. and so that's going to go away as the scale picks up. We're excited to be in that space. Uh, we believe that uh, it's the right thing for our customers. We believe it's the right things for our communities and the environment. Um, and we also believe that it's a great opportunity for our shareholders as well. Excellent. I told you I was getting excited about that. I love the signature. If you're looking over that and look at the future of the industry, what do you see for the utilities and for television? Um, as, as a utility company, when I look out that window, I see an opportunity to control, and, and you and I have talked about this on several, on several fronts, control motors. I mean, motors make up such a huge part of the load that we see, especially in the commercial and industrial space. I also see it as a huge opportunity for us to control lighting to, to, to a large extent. But more importantly, I look out there and I see a grid that allows for our customers to even enter into the trading of excess power. 
you know, when, when, we, when we talk about electric vehicles, um, that electric vehicle is a battery that is a powerful battery that if a customer so choose, they could go, you know, um, back to the grid with that power, selling that power and participating in a marketplace that even creates more savings for the customer. Um, and I also see it as a way for, through AMI, um, you know, the, the, the new metering and, and, the, and, the, and the, I'll just say the advancement of the grid, I see it as a possibility for complete transparency uh, for the utilities to not just monitor where customers are, but also give them useful information, saying things, you see things like, uh, this is a charger over here that is within two miles of where you are if you need to charge. It's a supercharger, you can get a charge in five minutes, or it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to build out a network that is truly giving the customer everything it needs from a, from a power perspective. Thanks for listening. You can find our research and media at zprime.com. You can find us on social media at zprime underscore research. Don't forget to check out our virtual event, Energy Thought Summit 2020 at ets20.co. That's ets20.co. Aaron and I will be back next week. See you then.